Hello and welcome to the Scouting Spotlight podcast on the World Football Index. I'm Adam Brandon and I'm your caretaker host for this pod with Austin on a break from such taxing duties. Joining me are two of the best South American experts around, Simon Edwards and Tom Robinson. Let's go over and uh, see how they are. Tom, first of all, this is very much your pod, so how's it going and are you missing your partner in scouting spotlight crime? <laughs> yeah, obviously um, it's sort of treading into un- uncharted waters here with a, a sl- slightly different lineup, but um, I think hopefully um, you, you guys will, will be kind with you know two World Football Index stores by my side, then I, I think we can get through this and, and, and make up for uh, the lack of uh, the enigmatic austin miller so yeah all good here and looking forward to kicking off a new year with uh with one of the uh one of our favorite players now for certainly over the last year he's been one of our favorite players indeed we're going to be talking about leonardo campana a striker an ecuadorian striker 19 years old and simon he's a he's a player you have a special connection with isn't he uh maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and also <laughs> how you're doing yeah, well, I, I, I've been a huge fan of Campana and I've been giving him plenty of love on Twitter and uh, his his dad has been reciprocating some of that, sending me some messages saying, yeah, he's a good player, thanks for the, give me some, give me some retweets. On my Twitter account, which no longer has any followers because I've been suspended for like 50 days, so I'm in, I'm in exile, but I'm hoping to make my way back soon. Um, but all is good back here in Colombia and looking forward to talk about one of the best strikers teenage strikers in South America. Yep, so as I just mentioned, we're, we're talking about Leonardo Campana, a 19-year-old Ecuadorian centre-forward who came to our attention this time last year during the Under-20 South American Championships in Chile, a tournament I attended. Um, he finished top scorer there and he helped Ecuador to their first ever piece of silverware at that level, or any level actually, I think, come to think of it. Um, so there is a great buzz about him and this up-and-coming Ecuador team in general. For you, Tom, what are the attributes that Campana has that made you want to do this pod on him? Well, I think, obviously, him being top scorer at the Sudamericano came out of almost nowhere. Not many of us had seen much of him before, even though he'd been doing very well for the Barcelona youth teams. But I think the fact that he's just got a bit of everything... Um, what made him really stand out he's he's obviously quite tall so he can act as a target man but he's so much more than that I think his maturity was one thing that really um, saw him stand out um, compared to his peers Um, he just always seemed to be one step ahead in terms of reading the game his movement Um, he was very opportunistic with his finishes um, really nice left foot and he could come up with those moments of inspiration so it's not often that you get this kind of um, tall but skillful centre forward um certainly he seems he's very different to to most other Ecuadorian forwards out there and that just really marked him out as someone special and 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 worth keeping tabs on how about you Simon what what were your first impressions of him yeah for me um the most impressive thing is just his maturity and his game intelligence obviously a very tall player uh six foot two um he's an elegant runner not hugely explosively quick but but can move across the ground pretty well but for me it's his intelligence dropping off the the center back picking up the ball linking the play strong in the air shown in the in the u20s he can finish really well has picked up a few goals since for his club in ecuador so for me just his incredible intelligence just such a smart player 
plays as a as a 35 year old, but has got a bit of elegance and a bit of pace about him still as well. So yeah, for me, 18 years old, he he just looked like the complete modern target man forward, uh, and was very very impressive in everything he did at the U20s. I really liked as well some of those opportunistic finishes he had, like the uh, the kind of improvised overhead kick while he was lying on the ground against Venezuela and he had a really nice little flick and long range half half volley against Peru as well those those kind of little moments were like oh wait a minute this guy's not just a you know battering ram up front or anything like that this guy's got a bit of bit of class uh, what, what about you Adam what, what did you think yeah just uh back up mostly what you guys have been saying really um when I saw him in the flesh yeah and as the tournament moved on yeah, I was watching him more and more closely and yeah, so impressed with his movement um, and as you both mentioned, you know, also his intelligence of, of, of reading the game, which I think does make up a little bit for a bit of a lack of, of pace, not necessarily at, in, in that tournament, but I think if he moved to Europe, I think he would look slower than, slower than a lot of uh, players in Europe, but I think he can bridge that gap with, with the intelligence of his movement. And um, and the other thing which which was really impressive was his technique on the ball and, and he showed some incredible skills uh, during that during that tournament. You know, there was many times where he really wowed the crowds, you know, took took the took the breath away of the of the of the spectators with, with some of his uh, skills and, and efforts on goal. So yeah, it's uh, He's certainly an exciting one, and, and as you mentioned, Tom, he's, uh, he's part of the Barcelona team from Guayaquil in, in Ecuador. He hasn't had particularly that many chances since that under-20 tournament, um, which took place sort of January, February 2019. His, his game time has been limited since then. Is, is, is that something that worries you? I, yeah, I would say a little bit. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but maybe the contract situation has got something to do with that. Um, I would definitely say for someone who seemed to explode into the consciousness of um, South American football viewers, it seemed like he was going to be the first of that really talented Ecuadorian bunch to to be snapped up by someone, especially the fact that he's got a Spanish passport. That that helps things uh, greatly. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's been a bit of a weird situation. I mean, three goals in 16 appearances for Barcelona isn't too bad on the face of it, and especially given the fact that I think only he's only had three starts there. Most of the appearances have come off the bench. Um, but I think perhaps that is potentially it might have slowed his development and certainly he's not um, where we thought he might be um, this time last year. So I think that's probably one of the key, my sort of key worries about his suitability for for a big move just yet is he realistically hasn't got that much experience under his belt. Yes, we've mentioned that lack of pace, perhaps a little bit lightweight as well to go straight into certainly somewhere like the Premier League. So Hopefully, this is kind of almost a blessing in disguise, and and actually might mean that he's he's not going to take that big move straight away, and and potentially go for something more of a a stepping stone move or a stepping stone league where he could he could get that experience un, without having undue pressure on him, and something that will see him in good stead because really at the end of the day he's he's still only nineteen, he's got plenty of years ahead of him, and I think it's 
probably too much to ask right now for him to be the finished article, even though when we saw him, he did look so mature and so um, polished already at that young age. So, yeah, I, I think the fact that he's not played loads has, has taken the hype off, but that might not be a bad thing. Uh, Simon, what what do you think the uh, the reason for his lack of game time in, in, in Barcelona has been? Yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's not necessarily too concerning. Obviously, we would have loved to have seen him. Okay, that's it. You've you've, you've done an amazing job at the U twenties. Now one now lead the line for for Barcelona. Obviously, you know he's got he's got games off the off the bench. He's also been involved with the full Ecuadorian national team, which I think is a positive sign. But I do think the contract situation maybe um, meant Barcelona a little bit more careful and when they used him, uh, his contract was due to expire uh, at the end of the year, um, given I think he's uh, been a player who's been carefully managed with his development, uh, his family uh, involved in politics, they've got a bit of money, they're former professional athletes as well, a lot of tennis players in his family, so they know what they're doing, and I think there's been a conscious decision to put him in the best position to move to Europe um, with that situation. So his contract he is, is expired, he's available on a free transfer at the moment, um, so I think perhaps Barcelona were a little bit uh, cautious and maybe less enthusiastic as well. Uh, he has played a decent amount of minutes for a young player. Um, so I do think that has had some sort of a factor in terms of the, the, the role he's had in the team. But he has contributed. He scored a few goals. He's got a good number of assists. Well, I think three assists as well. So despite having limited starts for, the, for Barcelona, he has... He has popped up with a few goals here and there, and he has been involved with the full Ecuador uh, national team. So I think there are some positive signs, despite him not establishing himself immediately as a as a star in uh, Ecuadorian domestic football. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, the Ecuador national team and, and how he might fit in, actually, in the future. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, but basically Ecuador had a complete rebrand yesterday. Um they have released a new kit, which was kind of a darker yellow than, than what we've seen. They've released a new uh, badge emblem um, for the shirt as well. And they also announced uh, Joydi Cruyff as the new head coach, uh, Johan Cruyff's uh, son, of course. So it, Cruyff has very limited uh, managerial experience, has, has kind of mainly been... Uh, in sort of director of football type roles but now he's going to be taking the reins of the Ecuador national team and and here and he's obviously been appointed because he has a vision for how he sees this um, talented group of young Ecuadorians um, are, are going to play over the next few years and um, and I think we can expect Campana to be part of that development later. Yeah, certainly an exciting appointment. It's it's almost on trend with that, you know, the, the success of the European managers in South America in the last year with um, obviously Jorge Jesus winning the Libertadores with Flamengo and um, as well Ramirez um, at Independiente del Valle. Um, so it's I think it's it's exciting. It's a bit of a punt in the punt in the dark as opposed to uh, Jordi Cruyff's managerial skills and and it's going to be but I think it's something that at least you're seeing um, Ecuador being open to new ideas uh, trying something a bit different to make them stand out from the crowd and I definitely applaud 
you know the the ambition behind it i think that you said in that rebrand they've their sort of tagline for that is the the team of the condor is opening its wings wider or, or something along those lines so they yeah, they're definitely putting a lot of effort into it not just um um, the national t- team, they've got, you know, a Spanish director of football now. Um, they've got a Brazilian coach for the the women's team. And, and Jorge Silico is, is still there for the under 20s and then 23. So it's it seems like they're trying to have some joined up thinking there. And they'd be mad really to not to try and capitalise on the success of that um, under 20 team that won the f- their first ever Sudamericano and then finished third in the World Cup. There's a really good crop of youngsters there. And the the true measure of success of that team will be how many they can get playing regularly and in maybe four or five times have the, the spine of a squad while they're in their prime, as we saw with um, certainly with previous generations in Argentina and Chile. Um, so you'd think that Campana is going to be a, a key player up front. You know, there's they've they've struggled up front ever since uh, Chuto Benitez um, tragically died, um, and they've they've had a few decent players, Caicedo, and a few promising youngsters like Estrada. Um, Stephen uh, Plaza looks looks like he could have something there as well. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting, and I, th- I think Campana does really give them something. Um, a bit different along with some you know some interesting technical midfielders the traditional um, pacey wide men that we've always championed on this podcast um, and you know some some you know maybe some question marks still about um, defense but you know even someone someone like um, Moisés Ramírez in goal is is an exciting prospect as well so um, Campana if he can come through with four or five of those under 20 teammates should be um, should be an important player for for the national team in in the years to come but I think what's really going to be interesting now is um, is where he he takes that next move um, because you know it not necessarily going to be make or break but given that he's had almost a year of sort of treading water as it were um if he can f- land in the right team and start getting regular game time and and continuous development that's going to have huge knock-on of, uh, consequences for for the Ecuadorian national team as well um obviously he's been linked heavily to, to Wolves and I, I kind of like that idea even if perhaps I'd probably prefer him to go in at a a slightly lower league um, in Europe somewhere, but um, I don't know. Well, Simon, what what do you think would be a good fit for for Campana if he's to make a move soon? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, obviously, at Wolves, there's a sense that he'll be uh, kind of a deputy to Ralph Jimenez. Um, I, you know, it's difficult because I think he's not the explosive, suited to coming off the bench and, and changing a game kind of player. He's a very, very, very complete, smart, tidy, you know, Olivier Giroud type striker. There's a little bit more pace about it, perhaps, and, and can surprise with a nice finish out of nowhere. And maybe we'll catch the eye with that. But, uh, you know, I think if I was a manager, I'd want to build a team around him as a focal point. And I can see with Ecuador, that is potentially what could happen. Uh, obviously, with Cruyff, it's a left field appointment, but Ecuador needs to take some risks. They've got some great young players if they go with the old guard, they probably won't go to the World Cup. So why not give it a go? So I think for Ecuador, he's potentially going to be the focal point number nine for them um, in, the, in the coming years. And I think that's what you want to see him with a club. You want to see him as the main man because it's his, it's his link play that's so good and his, and his hold-up play. 
and his collective play. And he can play some nice passes. He can pop up with a goal. He's not the kind of player who's, he's not an Adama Traore. You throw him on, he's going to rinse some defenders and really catch the eye. He's a player whose biggest asset is his intelligence and his maturity. So I'd quite like to see him given a, an important role. Obviously, Wolves is an interesting one. I think um, he gets some chances there eventually. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because do we want to see him nurtured and, and to continue to develop that real complete game intelligence? Or is it now time for him to take some responsibility for a side? Adam, what do you think? Where would you like to see him go? Yeah, I, I think he could potentially benefit in staying in South America for another year or two. Just, personally, I'd just like to see him go somewhere where he's guaranteed game time um, and he's a permanent player at that club. I, I've said on these pods before that I'm not a particular fan of, of players moving over to Europe too soon, for example, and then especially to a big club or you know, a Premier League club, where re- realistically he's not going to get a look in at this stage of, of his career and then they just get loaned out and kind of forgotten about. Um, so, yeah, perhaps he would benefit from a move to sort of a big club in Argentina, perhaps where where he could uh, make, the, make, make the breakthrough a lot quicker there. Um, I think that could be an interesting move for him as, as like a stepping stone before moving across to Europe. The other possibility, of course, is is what we've seen his uh, his teammate of, of the Ecuador under-20 team do recently, um, Jose Cifuentes, uh, a player I think we've covered here on the Scouting Spotlight podcasts um, in the past. In the last week, he moved to LAFC in MLS, and that looks like it could be, yeah, but that is becoming more and more a, a frequent move for such talented young South American players is, is going to MOS and trying to make a big impression there, trying to catch the eye of, of European scouts, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, I think um, I, I'm with you on that one, uh, Adam, in terms of MLS being quite a good fit for him in terms of a step up in quality but somewhere where he's going to get guaranteed game time or like you said um, heading down to a big club in Argentina or Brazil potentially I mean I suppose the only other ones you could potentially throw out of left field would be you know moving somewhere like Belgium or Holland or Austria where um, we've seen quite a lot of um, players move across get get the game time um, and in a relatively pressure-free environment and then get bigger moves off the back of that but yeah I, I like the idea of, um, of of MLS and I think it's I think it's what's really interesting about him as we've kind of touched on earlier in the pod is he very much comes from a different socio-economic background to most South American footballers so it's felt like the need to move hasn't been rushed it, it's kind of Part of me thinks, in a way, it, yeah, it might stick in the craw um, of the Barcelona fans who are just seeing this player who can afford to, you know, wind down the clock on his contract and and leave um, when he wants, um, rather than needing to make that move to kind of set up his family and and support um, support them. He's he's in that nice and pretty rare by South American standards of, of being from a, you know, at, at worst a, a fairly sort of upper middle class, you know, arguably upper class background where he can he can just he doesn't need the money right now he can he can wait and choose where he goes i just wonder if because of obviously the political links his family have got and certainly the, the contacts um they're going to have that they might try and get him that 
that big move when maybe sort of just uh, taking a rain check on going to a top top club and and going somewhere that's that's better for his development might might work for him in in the long time so in long term so yeah a, a very different kind of player um to what we're used to to covering i'd say on this podcast um but someone who's who's got a really interesting future ahead of him and um i think maybe maybe it's a bit too early to say he should be spearheading ecuador's attack for the for the world cup qualification but you'd you'd think by the by the time of the next world cup he he should be if ecuador can make it um someone who'd who'd be in that squad so yeah very very interesting uh player to watch i think um as well with the family situation the contract situation i think in many ways he's kind of set himself up to go in at a very high level given he has the european passport already locked up he's he's available very affordably um for a club there's been interest from germany for a for a year or so now as well so i just think in a way he's done everything right contractually um it's gonna upset a few fans if he goes if he goes on the cheap now um but i think he's set himself up so well um to to move maybe it does limit his options maybe it means he goes to europe he has the option to go to europe i think perhaps um yeah it, it, will, it will be interesting to see if perhaps he's a victim of how well he's done um in terms of developing his career and, and getting to a place where he is now but I do think there is a really, really good player there. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, he's just so complete, so mature. I haven't seen an 18-year-old who does everything right. And again, there's some limitations. He's he's very tall, but he's not particularly strong. Perhaps that will be something he'll build up in Europe. It tends to be something that happens. Um, and he's not explosively quick, but he's he's quite elegant and he's, he's very athletic. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, but for me, he's kind of, ticks all of the boxes apart from a couple of physical things here and there uh, he ticks so many of the boxes it'll be interesting to see where this kind of perfectly designed footballer ends up uh, in, in the coming no, I th- years I think, the, I think the physicality issue is something I just want to touch on because another thing which worries me sometimes about players of that kind of build um, and when they move across to Europe and the, and the, and the European clubs look to sort of build up their upper muscle um, strength and sometimes this is done a bit too quickly and then you see knee injuries for example develop and for me Campana strikes me as a type of player that you know couldn't afford to really pick up sort of one or two knee injuries because it would just slow him up too much yeah I think um, he needs to be managed very carefully from, from that aspect as well um, yeah let, let's let's see what he chooses to do. Okay, yeah. So I, I think that's all, isn't it, guys? Um, and uh, and Simon explained earlier that, that you can't find him uh, on Twitter at the moment. <laughs> but I'm sure most of, I'm sure most of you follow him by now. Anyway, um, so when he does return, um, I'm sure you all realise. Uh, Tom. For any newcomers to this pod, where can people find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at TomRobbo89. Um, hopefully with the the South American seasons getting back underway soon then and you know, start of a new Libertadores, then we'll be uh, upping the content again after a bit of uh, time off. So, yeah, looking forward to that and um, praying for Simon's swift uh, return from the, the social media wilderness. 
yeah, it's, it's, it's almost my one of my favourite times in the in the football calendar. The, the qualifying rounds of uh, Copa Libertadores, where over years we've it's produced some of our most uh, favourite and memorable moments uh, for for our podcasting. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely keen to to try and get at least a couple of pods out during during those uh, qualifying rounds. All what's left to say really is a huge thanks to Simon and Tom for joining me and it's goodbye.